Welcome to FinTech Direct, where we provide you the knowledge and expertise to give you the edge over your competition in the payments and fintech industries. I'm your host, Jordan Olivas, and on our podcast today, we have Mike Fons, owner and CEO of PayFX. How are you doing today, Mike? Good, Jordan. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I guess we'd like to start off. Just tell us a bit more about yourself. Tell, uh, tell us about your background and how you got to where you're at today. Well, I, I kind of started in, uh, in business at a very, very early age. I uh, started my first business when I was 10. I, my family kind of uh, was structured in luxury goods. And when I went on my own, I started to develop larger companies. Uh, by the time I was 23, I had over 150 employees and was a multi-million dollar company. And as a result of that experience, I've had uh, several other companies, you know, some obviously some with success and some well, without success. But as I grew in my business career, I uh, took on very larger and larger projects. And a few years back, I had to get in the logistics industry because of my luxury goods background. I developed a logistics platform that was bought by one of the major carriers. And since then, I've been in logistics and got into payments as a result of a natural extension of this, this particular industry that I serve. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me a bit more about that piece. Coming from the logistics realm, why did you decide to get into payments? Was it an organic, just very natural progression? Or tell me a bit more about that. Well, what ended up happening was is in the logistics arena, uh, what we were finding was there were specific needs that weren't being addressed. One is how to get paid. With the advent of PayPal and eBay and many of the e-commerce solutions that were that came out, we were looking at some of the deficiencies in the processes and decided that we would address those deficiencies in both the logistics, insurance, risk, and payments arenas. And so we started to build a platform that addressed these deficiencies, especially as a result of some of the major players that were involved in the industry. So you bring up a really good point there. Coming from a separate industry, do you foresee some other people, either from the logistics space or from digital goods or whatever it may be, starting to enter into the physical payment space? You're starting to see this with companies like Uber launching one of their own credit cards and many other companies as well, not just co-branding a card, but actually underwriting the risk associated with payments and offering promotions and marketing materials Accordingly, do you foresee other people going into payments like you have? Well, as a natural, as a natural progression of any industry, in order for it to evolve, it would be assumed that you would get outside players to come into these industries to further the progress of the industry. As you and I both know, there are many, many players coming into the space. And as a result of that, we see a lot of needs that are being addressed. And we do believe and we feel that there are many, many other needs that should be addressed. And it's going to need to come in from from outside influences rather than the incumbent players that are already dealing with some of these solutions. One thing you just mentioned were the incumbent players. Can you tell me why you think that maybe some of the existing payment companies out there today may not be nimble enough to create new and innovative platforms versus someone coming from the outside? Well, I mean, that's just a natural law of business. When you have a 
company that is as large as, let's say, without saying specific names, but you have very large companies that are out there trying to move a very, very large machine, it is very difficult for them to extend their ideas in such a way that it would make a meaningful difference in it immediately. Rather than when you have a small company that comes in that can focus just on very specific areas and grow within the, the need that they are addressing. Absolutely. And you bring up a great point. And I think you're starting to see some of this within the fintech space itself. We're starting to see a lot of evolution from major areas of the country, including Atlanta, Austin, places on the West Coast. And what we're seeing is a lot of innovation coming from companies that have virtually no capital to start with, but just a great idea. And then within months, they're getting millions and millions of dollars of of funding to go in and disrupt the space. And even some of the more seasoned players that started off a bit smaller, such as Riskified, who just received $33 million in funding earlier this year. It was a great evolution to see that grow. In terms of luxury goods, would you generally consider that maybe a high-risk industry, like you would see maybe adult goods or bone support, things along those lines that are generally considered high risk in terms of processing underwriting? Yeah, well, we don't see the luxury goods as a high risk. What we see luxury goods as a high opportunity. If you know how to deal with higher value transactions, from a both from a risk perspective, payments perspective, and delivery perspective, it creates an opportunity because most people do not know or are willing to stay away from it because they don't want to take that risk. I don't feel that some of the some of the industries that you that you just told me about would would certainly equate to luxury goods. I think those are in a different space than what we consider our bread and butter. So you talked about the delivery of goods, which is another great point to touch on. You kind of look at the large giant in really every space is Amazon. You're seeing them start with books and then digital goods and delivery of everyday household items. And one of the biggest pieces of risk for them is, the, as you mentioned, the delivery of goods. So now, even going beyond just having a delivery or a locker or anything along those lines, you've seen them launch a recent product which allows people into their customers' homes to drop off an item. For example, if I'm a customer and I don't want my goods sitting out on the porch all day, I can have someone come into my home. So you come into this really interesting paradigm where our customers willing to let a stranger into their home to protect their goods that are being delivered. And how this relates to the payment space is pretty significant because when you look at card not present transactions and you're delivering those goods, the payment can essentially be considered void because a chargeback situation can occur whether or not it's actually affirmed or not by the mitigation parties. The payment associated with the chargeback, there's a fee to manage all of that. So when you look at companies like Amazon, do you foresee them running into additional issues with the delivery of goods or how do you see others within the space ultimately trying to catch up to Amazon? How do you foresee those goods being delivered and how do you see other people catching up to Amazon within that space? Well, it's, it's funny that 
that you brought up Amazon. First of all, Amazon is probably one of the most innovative companies on the planet. I've always had a great respect for that company. As it relates to other carriers and other opportunities, we believe that Amazon is approaching it in the right direction. We don't see the delivery piece being addressed by the carriers, which we call incumbent carriers, in which, as, as just as a matter of history, has used the systems that we developed uh, initially are as a standard. But that being said, we do feel that some of the, let's just say, reasons that people charge back now are based upon delivery exceptions. And that, that does need to be addressed because that is a very big area in which the, the acquirers are seeing chargebacks. And, and it's fairly simple to do, as you well know, very simple to charge something back if you know they say, oh, it hasn't been delivered. Our solutions try to address that on a, pre, on a pre-risk basis. So that decision is already made before the item is being shipped. But it has taken, we have in the past maybe insured over $100 billion worth of items, and we have seen certain patterns. These patterns are both quantified from an algorithmic standpoint and from an art perspective because you can't do everything from zeros and ones. You have to look at each individual shipment as a individual transaction. So we believe that the Amazon solutions are very innovative and that there are a lot of missed opportunities by the carriers that need to be addressed by people like us. So I, I believe that uh, in the future more entrepreneurial solutions will come out there and this will have to be addressed because this is the major problem with chargebacks right now. Now, in terms of your future growth patterns, one of the items that I understand that you're moving forward with is becoming a payback, which is a massive area of growth that we're seeing within the payment space. A lot of these large ISOs are wanting to grow their margins, and one of the best ways to do that is to take on their own risk. Likewise, you're able to onboard merchants more effectively, and it ultimately makes you a miniature acquirer in a sense. Can you tell me a bit more about why you decided to go that route versus just being a traditional ISO or being a full-blown acquirer? Tell me a bit more about that, please. We have a tendency to like to control what we're, you know, we've spent 30 years in certain industries acquiring this knowledge. And in order for us to fully service those industries, we need to be able to underwrite and address the risks within those industries by our rules. The the PAYFAC allows us to help run those rules uh, in an efficient manner. The PAYFAC process itself is a very, very difficult process. We are a PAYFAC, but I would say that if somebody were out there to do the PAYFAC, you know, there are obviously different sets of requirements. Uh, Some people with an ISO, it certainly takes care of any needs that they have. Uh, PAYFACs are, you know, growing very fast, as you said, and becoming an acquirer is much more difficult than becoming a PAYFAC. So we chose the PAYFAC route. If someone out there 
that was just out of college, 22 to let's say 26 years old, wanting to start a payments company with your extensive background from an entrepreneurial side and now coming into the payment space, tell me a bit more about that learning curve. What would you say to that young person out there wanting to start a fintech or wanting to start an ISO? What what would you say to them to get started or what would you tell them, hey, be sure to do this, don't do this? What would you have to say to all those people out there? Uh, get a mentor. <laughs> <laughs> Get a mentor and join the proper associations. That's the that is the best uh, advice I could give to anybody that's new that's going into this. Uh, I happen to have uh, when I first started into this area. I happen to have a gentleman that uh, that came in and uh, he showed me the ropes. And to this day, uh, I've kind of surpassed his. Um, you know, expertise in certain areas, but I still recognize him as the gentleman that brought me into this industry, and I would certainly say to anybody that's new in the industry, make sure that you find somebody that knows more than you, and make sure that you listen to them. Great. Thank you. Now, Mike, with your platform, in a nutshell, people can have guaranteed goods delivered to their door by leveraging your platform and from a merchant perspective, if someone wants to get a hold of you or even wants to talk to you from a technology perspective or a payments or payback perspective, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? The best thing is to email me at mike at payefx.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Mike, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I know we'll definitely be catching up at one of the upcoming shows. I know ETA where we actually first met earlier this year uh, is coming up uh, in about uh, later later next year so i know i'll be seeing you then once again thank you to all our listeners i will be putting mike's contact information and a link to his website in the show notes be sure to find us wherever you get your podcasts and i look forward to seeing you again mike thank you to all our listeners and we'll be launching our next episode at the end of December where we will have a new CEO joining us, which I'm really excited to have on board. Please keep posted and look forward to our next episode. Mike, once again, thank you for your time.